As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back. It's Mav Sports Take, episode 74, your unmuzzled sports talk focusing on the business of sports. We are live here on Twitter, on YouTube, and on TikTok. I almost forget to talk about that every single time. I am Ryan Roberts <laughs> at Rise and Drift on Twitter, joined by my good friend, Mr. David Turner, a 18-year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, and three straight arena league championships with the Arizona Rattlers, as well as the owner-operator of Maverick Sports Consulting.com. David, we have a lot to get into tonight. We're going to talk a little Brian Flores debacle. We're going to talk a little bit of the Super Bowl participants for this year. We're going to talk a little Senior Bowl. Uh, some double-jointed thumbs, David. Never knew that would be a conversation we'd be having. Right? And, a little, <laughs> little, and a little bit of the coaching carousel if we get to it. So a lot of stuff on the top. We want to thank everybody that's out there. If there's any questions or interactions throughout the show, please drop it in the chat. We would love to have you a part of this conversation. Before I do, though, as I always start every single episode, we were off last week um, due to some difficulties on my end. Take full responsibility for it. But, Mr. David Turner, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Just excited about with all the de dealings and things that we haven't talked about. You know, some amazing games. Like you said, the coaching carousel, GM hires. Um, we have the Brian Flores breaking news that are coming out of uh, just today. And then we have all the stuff at the Senior Bowl. I mean, it's just a flood of football. Everybody thought the season was coming to an end, but it's for us. It's just started, baby, because we're going to be leading into free agency, these coaches hires. We're going to circle back on some of these GMs and things as uh, the, the weeks go on. And then we're going to get into, you know, philosophies of drafting and everything else. And I'm sure we'll start having some of the draft picks on and potential draft picks on and interviewing them. So it's going to be a real fun, exciting offseason for us here at Mav Sports Take. And if you haven't, 
been with us before, I'll say that we're going to take a much different path um, <laughs> perspective to get to some of the opinions that we put out there, especially, I mean, we're, David just talked about roster construction and draft philosophies. We can parlay that to the how the LA Rams and Cincinnati Bengals have gotten to where they are now with the Super Bowl. But we want to start, of course, because it needs the attention uh, right now with the reports that are coming out. There's a lot of layers to this one with Mr. Brian Flores. So Miami Dolphins let go of Brian Flores this offseason. It was a very – kind of came out of nowhere. You know, the last time we were on, David, we talked about a little bit about, like, that was a surprise, right? And we thought Brian Flores had done a pretty good job considering the talent that he had in Miami. So he's now been in consideration for multiple teams. He's had interviews with multiple teams. Uh, the New York Giants, he stole the table for the Houston Texans, and then he was also with – who was the who was the third team that he interviewed with? He interviewed with one more, right? Giants. Well, I, I believe he interviewed at Minnesota, if I'm Minnesota. not wrong. Oh, no, it was okay. the Bears. I apologize. It was the, the Bears. Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Yep. So he's he's been a hot commodity because, I mean, again, it took a little, people by surprise. They're like, what's up? What like Why is Brian Flores on the market? So teams have shown interest. So today, a lawsuit is being filed, David, not against one team against multiple teams, and I don't know how we should tackle this. Should we highlight it all together? Should we take it one by one here? Like, right, Let's start with the Giants. Want to start with the Giants for a second, I guess? Well, hold on. Let, let's yeah. outlay this a little deeper for everybody who's not following yeah. as close I'm as I'm sorry. Yes. No, no. Let me, let, me, let me get it. I'll get it. You got so, it. So what, what happened here was Brian Flores, shocker of the century, of the offseason. So until Sean Payton – Retired, right? It was a shocker the the off season that hey, all of a sudden, boom! You know, we got this opening in Miami. I mean, they went zero and seven at the beginning, then they won last eight and nine games, eight of the last nine games. They beat New England twice this year, um, and I think you know three of the four times, or maybe all four times, he faced Bill Belichick or something like that. So it was just amazing what he was starting and doing in Miami. When he got released, they went and put out there that he didn't play well in the pool that he was somebody that was kind of on his own and trying to do his own thing. He wasn't one that was uh, part of the franchise and what the franchise was trying to do. And, you know, you start hearing those whispers and you're like, well, what's, what's that mean? How's that go down? Um, you know, but then all of a sudden, boom, I think the bears jumped on him right, right away. Then the giants brought him in for an interview. The Texans, I want to say had two rounds of interviews with them. And I don't even think, right. and I, I want to say the giants had two rounds with them. Well, the, Gi- the Giants one's weird. We'll get to the Giants, but like there was a weird text message thread that came out with Bill Belichick too. So a lot of weird things with the Giants. Go ahead. Right, but I just think I think he interviewed there twice, and then and then in the lawsuit he brings up when he interviewed with the Broncos mm-hmm. before he got the Miami job. Yeah. So years ago, um, and before they hired Nick Fangio uh, there. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of interesting how deep he went with these this this accusation. I guess it's an accusation at this point. Right. Um, and he, it's a class action lawsuit. So he filed it against three teams mm-hmm. plus one through 99 potential teams or 29, one through 29 potential teams. So he's basically saying he's inviting any other minority candidate that feels that they have not had a fair and equal opportunity to interview with legit and, and negotiations with um uh fair and and, and unpartial mm-hmm. right negotiations to jump on and and add their name to this lawsuit which to me is a phenomenal it's just fascinating where yeah. this could go 
Because you have to, I mean, we've been saying Eric Bieniemy for years should have a shot, right? And then he's not getting a shot, and he's sitting in Kansas City. Will he be a person that puts his name on this? A guy like Reggie McKenzie, you know, if they're able to go historic on it. He had nine interviews before the, the Raiders hired him. Nine interviews. There are so many people that have been given interviews and not opportunities to fulfill the Rooney rule. Now, will some of these coaches sign on with Brian Flores and make this a true class action, multi-case, multi multi-opportunity uh, lawsuit? Or will it be Brian Flores on his own, you know, forging this fire? Now, again, like Ryan and I were talking about, we're going to get into the New York Giants part of it. We're going to get into other parts of it. But that part in itself to me is amazing that they made it a class action inviting people to jump on this lawsuit with him and really try to invoke force, not invoke, but just absolutely force change in yeah. the hiring process and cycles in which we here on the show have said that there should, the hiring process should be a two-week cooling down period, no hire process after the season's over so everybody can get a chance to interview and make it a fair and equal process because we've identified that it's not a fair and equal process at this time, not just, again, for minorities, but for the coaches in the playoffs. You know, they're here trying to win their games and be at the peak of their, you know, career and go out there and, you know, do their best. And, you know, at the same time, they're getting interfered with by people going, hey, come interview for this job. Hey, come interview for that job. And it's like, man, let them focus through the season. To right. get where, where to get to the championship game and not keep the tug of war action going, and a two week hi hiring freeze would really solve a lot of these issues. Um, so that in intrigued me by this whole process of fair and equal. And uh, you know, so like I said, when it, right before we came on, I was reading about it, and I was mm -hmm. like, man, we got to talk about this tonight. Yeah, and it's so interesting as well because again i just think there's a lot of layers to it right like there's multiple like like you kind of said the class action element to it right like brian flores is he wants to be the i don't want to call him a spokesperson but he wants to be the advocate that people are going to follow to elicit change like you're kind of talking about which is huge it's absolutely huge cuz cuz then we're going to talk about just the minority side of it right the rooney rule side of it it's not fair. Like, let's just call it what it is. There's been a lot of injustice in that area. And for it to change, people need to band together. So I hope that if every allegation that he's making as far as his own experiences are 100%, which I don't know what he has to gain out of lying about this, right? Because like you said before, before we started, he still may be up for the Houston Texans job. So this could yeah. be hurting his career right now right like his financial well-being as well like this could be really directly hurting him if there is some type of falsity to this conversation so i think it's a great i don't want to call it strategy i think it's a great thing that he is trying to do for the right reasons right and the one part and i wanted to go into the giants here for a second david because there was a text message chain between Brian Flores and Bill Belichick that surfaced, right? And again, this is speculation. I don't know if it's been verified that it's him and blah, blah. Like, there's going to be a lot of back and forth about the conversation. But the conversation basically went, Bill Belichick texting Brian Flores and saying, congratulations on the New York Giants job. That's awesome. I know you're the, you're the man for the job, right? 
And then he kind of says back like, hey, coach, appreciate it. Um, I haven't interviewed, though, yet. I have an interview on Thursday, I think it was. And then, they, just to paraphrase as best as I can, Bill's like, oh, no, I, I heard already. Like, you're the guy. You're the guy type of thing. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. Like, that's awesome to hear. And then he messages Bill Belichick back again. And it's like, are you sure you didn't mean to Texas to Brian Dable? Right? The new New York Giants head coach. And then Bill says, oh, sorry. I completely misread. My, that's, like, my fault or something like that. So before he had even interviewed, I don't know if this was the first interview, second interview. Like, I don't know what the situation was. Brian Dayball apparently had already been decided, right? So that's unfair within itself. Why is he interviewing for something that has already been decided, right? So, like, that's kind of where the Giants thing, I was just like, that is insane if true. Like, if that is actually Bill Belichick and that conversation, that is crazy to me, man. Well, and here's the issue again, right, yeah. is that, A, the Giants were interviewing head coaching candidates and GM candidates, if I understand, overlapping. So why are you interviewing without your GM involved if it's really going to be a true GM in charge type situation? Okay, that to me is a, confu a confusion in the in the whole process because now they wanted to bring their they wanted to get a feel for certain people from what I understand, and then they wanted to bring them back once they named their GM. Well, again, that's confusing the process. The, that means the ownership has say so over everything, and the GM has say so over really. Nothing. Okay. And that that in itself is like, listen, even for appearances sake, allow your GM to get in the building and then hold your interviews and go from there. And again, a two week hiring process would solve this issue because they could have focused solely on the GM process and then hired their GM and then got their coaches rolling after that. Right. Mm -hmm. But when they bring in uh, all the, they had Leslie Frazier and they had, I want to say Dave or, um, Flores in for two interviews and the second interviews came after the new GM was hired. Okay. I don't think, and you know, me and Patricia were talking about who the giants were going to hire as soon as they, as soon as they let go of their, their old staff. I don't think it came to any, either of our surprises or anybody else who follows the giants that Dable was the one they honed in on right away. Um, because what he's doing up there in Buffalo mirrors what the giants want to do with Daniel Jones. They like the way Daniel Jones runs, even though I'm not a big fan of what that brings because Daniel is more injury-prone than a Josh Allen, okay? But mm -hmm. they like it, so they want to feature that. So the best coach in the market right now that does that really is Debo. So it was like, you know, Debo was like their guy the whole time. It was the worst-kept secret in America, all right? So – a, for the coaches not to know Dable's the guy, I kind of question how did you not know that was the case? Hmm. And B, to look at the situation, they could have hired Leslie and they could have hired Brian, you know, they could have hired Flores, but then they wouldn't have got the offense they wanted. And when 90% of the coaches in this league in the NFL are, not, are you know, offensive-minded coaches and you got a young offensive, you know, so much invested in young quarterback, you really have to start thinking about, you know, they're going to, do what they can to get this quarterback in play. So right. Dable was the play the whole time. I'm not really surprised by it at all. Um, but what I am surprised with Bryant, with Flores' lawsuit, that it comes out that Belichick would make that kind of mistake. Belichick's right. not that guy that makes that mistake. It's not like he has a couple cocktails and he messes that up. Uh -huh. So 
I know they both are Brian's, right? But Debo and Flores, I mean, that last name, there's a D and the, there's an F. It's not like you have a D and a B. You know? It was a D and an F. So, I mean, and one worked for you and one's never worked for you. So, you know, I don't, I don't know um, what, what the deal is there. But I also will say this. Mm-hmm. By the Bills naming Ken Dorsey, uh, Belichick's super excited that Davos out of the NFC or AFC East because wow. now that offense is going to have less teeth to it. Did you see um, a complete different tangent for a second? I'm just thinking about, you know, you're talking about just the periods of hiring and hiring freeze and all that type of stuff. Did you see, I, I don't know the full story on it. So, like, this is just me throwing something out there. Did you see the Houston Texans can't? interview Kevin O'Connell from the Rams because they missed the window or something. Did you see this? Oh, yeah, I saw that. I mean, they, they were like, oh, we're going to oh, – uh, you can't – you could you could have interviewed him yeah. prior, but not this week or next week. The yeah, Super Bowl is not going to Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, and that's their own dumb fault. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, it's just – it's really just kind of stupid how they're doing these. Um, and not knowing that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then again, now now you're like, oh, we wanted to interview him, but it's too late, so you know we can't do it. We're just gonna hire Josh McCown, um, who, <laughs> who's never again, coached. Who's never coached. <laughs> I was texting with Josh yesterday. You know, he's my old quarterback from the UFL, uh, yeah. and I was wishing him all the best. I love Josh to death. Like there, there's yeah. nothing. I mean, I honestly, for Josh and his family, the opportunity is huge and it's great. Sure. Do I feel it's the right move for the Texans? I don't. Now, no. I told Josh, and I hold to it, if he gets a job and he wants me to come help in some capacity, whether it's drawing cards or whatever, I'll come do it to support him because I want him to be successful, right? So, mm-hmm. but again, I do I feel with all the available candidates out there, and even the coach they fired, I mean, think about that. Think about what that coach did. When he took the job, he thought he was going to have Deshaun Watson, and then he wound up having Davis Mills. You know, who, and who played pretty and, well. Who played pretty hey, well, man? Hey, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Think what he I'm did with kidding. that team. I'm just yeah, I know. He did a really good job with that team and what he had. A lot of players on one year contracts. Very little continuity coming from last year's team, even to this year's team. I mean, yep. the man did a phenomenal job for what he did, and and it got totally like overlooked. Because obviously there's better coaching oper- or better coaching wins, loss type things yeah. and conversations, you know, in the league. But what he did was a really an amazing job um, yeah. because he he did not have a lot of talent down there at all. I, so I, I feel like we're going to keep talking about the Houston Texans. But again, just think about David Cully for a second, losing his job after one season. Obviously, he looks like he's a placeholder for the job. David, what was he a placeholder for? Like, I don't know who he was a placeholder for. I, I don't think – do they have a plan? Is there a plan here? I feel like there's not a plan. I, I don't think they have any clue of what or how to do it, which is amazing to me. So is, is another guy going to be another placeholder for next year? Like, I just – I don't get it, man. I just don't understand. Well, it. they might just hire Urban Myers. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just saying. Keep him, um, in the, keep him in the AFC South, man. Just keep him in the AFC there. South. I mean, he, he, they're trying to help him out. At least he'll know the division a little bit. Um, and his his interview the other day was an absolute train wreck. But we're not going there tonight. I didn't I didn't see it anyway. So oh, it was an absolute train wreck. Oh my god, it was like a train wreck rolling downhill and never stopping. Okay, oh, no traction. So not only did it going. not only did it crash off the track tracks, it just rolled downhill and it was just out of control. 
That's um, awesome. But that being said, I think Flores is in, uh, honestly his lawsuit has a chance to open a lot of doors uh, mm-hmm. if it if it's really seen through and if it's really brought and there's uh, discovery and everything, it could be very damaging to the mm-hmm. NFL. And I'll be uh, secondly, if I if if the Texans don't hire him, mm-hmm. and I'm an HBCU, I would hire him immediately. I would hire him immediately. I mean, he has money left on his contract from the Dolphins. So he's making some money. You might as well get him working in the HBCU circuit and have him and Dion going up against each other uh, for a year or two. Don't forget about A. George. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Oh, and Hugh Jackson. Jackson And Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, add Flores somewhere down there into the HBCU, you know, realm because – that in itself will keep his name and his lawsuit in the forefront by him coaching. They'll talk to him about it. It'll give him a platform to continue to shine light on it and not yeah. let him sweep it under the rug. If you go let him watch TV for a year, I mean, because he's not going to be a commentator. He's not going to get a Sean Payton type deal where he's going to be on TV. Um, yeah. You know, there's just too many relationships between the NFL and these TVs uh, deals that this is not going to happen. But if you right. put him to play in the HBCU realm, then he'll at least have a platform to talk about stuff. And he's a great leader of men from what I understand. So, you know, that's, it's just, it's not, it's a great opportunity for HBCUs and Flores to do that, you know? And if, again, look at the hiring cycle so far, um, we'll switch over to the hiring cycle now a little bit, just a little bit like at the bears, Mm -hmm. you got white head coach. Yep. At, the Giants, mm-hmm. you got a white head coach. Right. You got a white GM. Right. Down at the Raiders, you got a white GM, white head right. coach, who were right. college teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have openings at Jacksonville, Miami, Texans, and Minnesota, right? Right. Yep. So out of all – out of the GMs that were hired, any minorities? Nope, no, nope. and we were and we were only sitting at one uh, one head coaching. Well, I think um, the Minnesota way isn't the Minnesota new GM a minority. Yes, I was talking about head coaching. Canada. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I was just going to say before before after all the the movement this offseason before anybody was hired, there's a current. I think there was currently only one um, African American head coach at that point, one minority head coach. So that's all I was just going to add was that context to what you're saying. Right. And again, we're looking at the hirings and what's going on right now. Yep. And, you know, Todd Bowles is sitting out there. Leslie Frazier is sitting out there. Raheem Morris is sitting out there. Brian Flores is sitting out there. You know, mm-hmm. you got qualified. Again, I'm not Eric Bieniemy sitting out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just saying you got qualified people that are out there mm-hmm. that aren't getting the jobs. Are they getting interviews? Yeah, but they're not getting the jobs. Right. Um. And it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, again, Josh McDaniels was in New England, but once Tom Brady left, you know, what is it? What, what was he really done for me lately? Okay. And when he had his shot, he had his one shot in Denver. He He didn't, he didn't do well. Yeah. And then his press conference comes out and says, well, it's because I didn't work well with others. Oh, Okay. Well, you're a leader, leader of men, leader of men. Yeah. But again, I'm not against Josh. I like Josh. I thought he did some good things as a young coach in, in Denver. 
I thought his time in Denver was cut probably a season or two too short. He was just about to round the corner, do some stuff. His commitment, his commitment to Depot really was a, a downfall for him, you know, up the, up there. So that's something that was something that was like, oh, you know, the Tebow connection was just too too much. Um, but those are, you know, again, young coaches, young-minded guys, are, they want to do things their way, get it, you know, stuff happens. I think he might be a good second-round coach, and honestly, going to the the Raiders is a good team. I mean, I I really good was job. like, dude, it's a good job. It, it's yeah. a good job. They got weapons. They got uh, they got defense. They got you know they got a good running back. They got weapons on offense. You know, if you draft again this year and next year a couple players. I mean, that's going to be a team that really be forced in the AFC West and the AFC West already stacked. So you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a it you know. It's a situation where it could be really interesting. So that being said, though, it's his second job. Right. You know, and guys, you know, we're not seeing a lot of minority candidates get second opportunities. They're one and done. But a lot of retreads, man. Retread season, baby. Retread season. Um, Well, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan. To either go to Minnesota or to freaking Miami. And I was like, are you kidding me? At least, at least Jim Harbaugh has been a successful head coach at his, in his career, though. At least he has. Like Josh McDaniels, I don't know Josh McDaniels. He was no, I'm not. I'm not a passion Harbaugh. He's a very yeah. difficult man to work with. It's just it's who he I is. I get that. And, and again, a, a man who has that reputation, difficult mm-hmm. man, and he saved his ass this year at Michigan because he was about to be fired. If they didn't have that season that they had, he wasn't going to be fired. Zero he was going to be fired, dude. Zero chance. He was going to be out this year. The only so, time that Tim Harbaugh is going to be out as a Michigan head coach is when he feels like leaving. I'm telling you that right now, David. I'm telling you that right now. I'm, I'm telling you, you, they were on the verge. They were no. on the verge. I don't and believe so, it even slightly. Don't believe it. Just don't believe it. You can believe what you want. He was on. The, he was feeling the heat. People, people weren't taking Michigan jobs. They were leaving them to go somewhere else. Because they knew that the, the the fire was under the, the seat. So, mm-hmm. you know, but again, he had an amazing year, saved his job. And now they're talking about him leaving to go to, you know, Minnesota or to Miami. And again, Miami, their owner is the number one contributor and benefactor to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not going to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. But it's like, well, if Jim Harbaugh is going to go to Minnesota, well, I might take Jim Harbaugh away from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Let's speaking of freezes. Let's put a freeze on this conversation because there's a lot of things that I really want to get into with this coaching carousel. Because there's been some interesting things that have been happening. Giants and what's going on with the rest of the positions that are open and Josh McDaniels retread and hey, Wake Martindale out as a defensive coordinator and they brought up the speaking of Michigan, the defensive coordinator from Michigan is now. The, the McDonald is now the defensive coordinator at Baltimore after spending some time as their linebacker coach. So a lot of fun things before we do. I know this is – so Maverick Sports take, of course, Maverick Sports Consulting, right? I know judging by David, you can't tell that he really loves Maverick Sports Consulting. I don't see a shirt on him or a hat or anything. Oh, my I'm God. i tell you, if you it's are the, the first parents, time he's worn a shirt in about seven months, <laughs> and, he, and he is just strutting around in it. When it's cold in Arizona, I got a hoodie on. So, if you're a parent of an athlete <laughs> that is trying to make it to the next level, 
if you answer that you are and that you want to take them to the next level and you have would like to secure coaching for them from an expert of this guy, I don't know. Oh, I'm putting this. No, this way. Nope. I don't no, know. I got to go the other way. Yeah, an expert here at Maverick Sports Consulting. Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for their recruitment plan. With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruiting plan helps our clients secure their opportunities to play collegiate sports. We will focus on your transcripts, film, leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. Contact us today at shirts.com. All right, David, uh, before we get into a little more of the, higher, the coaching carousel, and I know I want to touch a little bit on the Senior Bowl if we have some time, I want to talk about the Super Bowl, man. Super Bowl. A couple of crazy games, man. I, David, first and foremost, have you seen a crazier couple rounds of NFL playoffs in your lifetime, man? Like, I can't remember more competitive games. We had two weeks ago where every single contest in the divisional round was decided on a last play, right? Like, every single one. And then we had two more fantastic games that come, back, come from behind victory. The, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals won 24-21 after going down 21-3 to to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to the Super Bowl for, since the first time since, what, what was it, 80, when, when John Taylor caught the touchdown against Cincinnati. 82. That was 82. Since 82, they haven't been to a Super Bowl since Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, my favorite team, the Los Angeles Rams, looked like they were about to lay a goose egg. They were down 17-7 to entering the fourth quarter. No team had ever come back from double digits in the um, in well, the championship weekend. Stop reviewing freaking plays. That would fucking well, hell. Well, if we didn't throw an interception in the end zone and Jalen Ramsey doesn't drop two interceptions and we miss a field goal, it was just a sloppy game. If Carr doesn't miss that last interception on freaking whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever your quarterback was trying to do there. Yeah, I don't know what he was trying to do there. He did play a – I thought he played a really good game outside of that decision. Um, even the interception <laughs> in the end zone was just – it was a great play by the defensive back. Well, if he could have got OBJ a damn touchdown, that would have been a great game. For you? Yeah. Good game for you? Yeah. <laughs> All that to say, the Rams entered the fourth quarter down 10. There was one time in a championship game, in an a NFC or AFC championship game, that a team came back from nine points in the fourth quarter. So the Rams had the – the, Largest comeback in a fourth quarter to to advance to the playoff um, to the Super Bowl twenty to seventeen off of a uh, last second field goal, um, which was a crazy game, man. Like I was sweating out, um, and then they of course they had to hold Jimmy G on that last drive. He threw an interception, so we're gonna see Cincinnati Bengals, L.A. Rams in the L.A. Coliseum. Not it's not even the Coliseum anymore. I don't even know what the field's called anymore, but. Crazy game. You don't even David. know your home field, SoFi Stadium. SoFi State. Well, uh, David, I am. I mean, so I, I started following the team when I was eight years old when they were still the St. Louis Rams. Okay, so I don't. Yeah, I, don't I know watched them. the teams as they were the L.A. Rams back originally. I know you. You remember when they were the Chicago Rams, which was back, not back quite that then. far. I'm not. There's not that much salt in this beard. There's not that much salt. We got Double D over here on TikTok dropping dropping hearts and all sorts of stuff over here on nice. TikTok. Good Love friend of the her. show. Good friend of the show, Double D. Love it. Thank she you, Double D, for hopping in. We're worried about her, but oh, really? she's, she's easily bouncing back. Uh, thoughts and prayers out to you. I hope you feel a lot better. Um, I know we're going to touch briefly on the Bengals, briefly on the Rams, David, because I want to save, obviously, next week's show to a lot more 
in-depth stuff on them, right? Leading up to the Super Bowl with the week off, do all that type of stuff. And the draft philosophies, I think, is going to be a really fun conversation that we can add into that piece because the Rams have gone free agent, trade heavy. I don't care about draft capital. While the Cincinnati Bengals are like, let's draft our quarterback, let's draft all our receivers, let's build from the draft, which is two completely different philosophies. But to to reaffirm my question, David, how crazy have these playoffs been, man? Parity at an all-time high in the NFL. Literally anything could happen any given week this playoffs, it seems. Well, I'll just say this. Pretty much every NFL owner has a chubby right now. Because if if you if, – well, you understand, like, why they want parity is for continued success in ratings, right? Sure, yeah. They want competitive Those are the highest-rated yeah. divisional round games, I think, in the history of the game. And this last championship round, the um, – the Niners game was 50 million people, I want to say, and this in the Kansas City game was 48 million people viewed viewed those games. So between the two games, you had 98 million people and eyeballs on screens to make money on their advertising spots and and all that stuff. So this Super Bowl pairing two of the young or the two young coaches ever to pair off with two of the hottest quarterbacks ever to pair off. With great stories and everything else that they're going to be able to lead up to it with, yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. But I'm going to take it back because we missed the show last week. I'm going to take it back. Now, you talked about those four games the weekend before. Yep. Good golly, Miss Molly. How incredible were those four games? I sat here on the couch for two days. <laughs> Just stoked as all. Those games were incredible to see to see the was it the rams go down mm-hmm. to tampa bay with 40 seconds left and no timeouts 40 <laughs> seconds and no timeouts Crazy, to, to go and score right now that yeah. game shouldn't have been that close because oh, well, the rams were in full control that's the frustrating rams- thing though that's the frustrating thing the rams have been the better team and they just keep making stupid mistakes each and every week well, Ramsey fell asleep on the one that mike evans just oh, ran right God. by him, oh, right i know man and that one just started the whole the whole fucking fall- waterfall. four fumbles four fumbles and no, yeah. no turnovers for your quarterback and you turn the ball over four times still crazy right. man crazy In- insane and then you and then you take you know the san francisco kids up mm-hmm. to green bay Against the other MVP that everybody was arguing is going to be, it was going to be Brady and Rodgers in this championship game. It's yep. the road to the Super Bowls through Lambeau, and That's you an got the San game. Francisco throwaway quarterback Jimmy G goes mm-hmm. up to Lambeau Field with a thumb that's barely attached, and yep. and wins the game for them up there. Well. Let's be honest. Special teams won the game for him up there. Oh, for but sure. it doesn't Defense matter. Special teams. Defense special doesn't matter. Team sport. They won the game. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you go to Kansas City where, uh, where 13 seconds, you got yeah. the Buffalo Bills and the third or fourth receiver, some yeah. guy that most people never heard of. I, I love the guy. I've been playing him on my DFS all year because he's been scoring, especially back in scoring touchdowns. But yeah. Gabriel Davis comes to the play and he scores three touchdowns. Four. I'm sorry, four excuse touchdowns. me, four touchdowns. 200 he, yards, eight catches, four yeah, touchdowns. He went just yeah. the zonkers. Uh-huh. And it was just like, you know, just feed him. The man was hungry. Just feed him, right? 
Can, can I say one something real quick? How awesome! I, I made a tweet about it after that, man. Isn't it like because we're seeing? Because for I feel like for a few years there, they're like, okay, Brady, Rogers, all these guys are going to retire soon, right? Big Ben, like, what's the next wave, dude? Seeing the back and forth between Mahomes and Allen, dude, that was incredible, honestly, man. Like dude, they, that was close. They scored like thirty in the middle of the freaking ring, swinging for the fences. Both defense didn't know what was coming. They were yeah. scoring left and right. It was amazing. It yeah. was, but then my cousin's blood pressure just went through the roof because you know he's a Bills fan. And when they, when he saw two men on that last on that oh, last yeah. play instead of cloud yeah. coverage, he lost his mind, and I did too. Because I'm that like Kelsey, Kelsey down the middle, yeah, right? Kelsey Real went field. up the scene. Yeah, yeah. It was like, dude, you got to run a cloud coverage. I mean, it was two men, and you got this guy trailing. Kelsey just ran to the you know open space. Now, if you would have played cloud, that safety would have been sitting there, and he could have came forward and just jumped that route. And you got two of the best safeties in the game, bro. Like, let them make the play. And you don't have your best corner. The corner's on IR. Like, why would you put – Yeah, like, why would you do that? But, you know, you talk about all four games, and then the fourth game, right? The fourth Mm -hmm. game, we had had, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And they went and played, and they had to play what? Um, who did they play that the round before? They just beat the Chiefs. They played the Titans? No, that was two. Yes. Two. It was the Titans, yeah. It was the Titans. Number one they, seed Titans. Number the, one seed The Titans. one seed Titans and the Kansas City kids, or I'm sorry, the Bengal kids, the Cincinnati kids, beat the number one seed, and they had Derrick Henry back. Yeah. So – yeah, I mean, you talk about it. It was an amazing weekend two weekends ago of oh, games. This last weekend, again, we're going to get into the yeah. Super Bowl next week. We're going to talk all about it. It'll be a Super Bowl packed week, I promise you all. I just don't yeah. want to jump the game or the gun here too much. But, you know, it was another amazing week of games. It was awesome to watch football, and this is what it's all about. And, you know, for the owners, they get all excited because of viewership. Us fans, yeah. we get all excited because of the close games. The food, the fans, the fun, and the you know the football itself was just amazing. I got sad with the two tight ends getting hurt. Obviously, Kansas City's tight end and Higby over there, your team, because he might he might be back for the Super Bowl. It's well, they said they both yeah. they both are questionable. Neither one's doubtful. Neither one's ruled out yet. But yeah. they both have MCL sprains. It looks like um, so. It'll be interesting to see what happens because both those guys work themselves into the rotation of you know being pass catching tight ends. When you started the season, it wasn't a situation where you either one of those guys you really knew their name. But by the end of the year, good golly, Miss Molly, even on that freaking uh, Cincinnati offense, um, their tight end, yeah, yeah, Roma was like, he was making plays. He was a a consistent catcher, four or five catches a game, and Mm -hmm. you know he was almost good for a tight a touchdown almost the last five weeks. They get a touchdown each game. Well, can we can we give a, sh- a quick shout out for the Rams for a second? Because you mentioned Higby going down, the Rams were down to one tight end on their roster. One Ken- left. Yes. And David Kendall Bland stepped in and had five catches for fifty-seven yards. I was like, "What, dude?" On all five targets, I'm like, he did some good stuff too, man. Well, and Stafford then- put it right on him, bro. Every yeah, everyone was right in the bullet hole. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Oh, can we give a shout out? I mean, there, I don't know if you've ever seen this, David, because I know there's there's obviously greater receivers, right? Like you've, I mean, I've seen them. You've seen like Jerry Rice and Randy Moss and Terrell Owens and all these great players, right? So I'm not saying 
Cooper Cups in that conversation? Absolutely not. But have you ever seen a guy on a string of games like Cooper Cup is? I mean, insane, man. 13 games now this year, over 100 yards. When the Rams need him most, he's the guy, man. Like you talked about the game before that, right, with the 40 seconds left. One-on-one, middle of the field. It was a stupid call by Todd Bowles, but like the guy is just coming up clutch, and he is having a historic season, almost 2,000 yards receiving. I can't remember a a player that is just dominating each and every week because I remember Randy Moss when he was on New England, and obviously when he was younger too in Minnesota, he was crazy. But the game, the consistency though, 13 games over 100 yards of Cooper Cup, and then another four games in the season that he's had over 90. 17 games over 90 yards receiving in the season. His worst game is five catches for like 65. I mean, I, I just can't remember a, a wide receiver being as consistent as Cooper Cup is right now, man. Like, I just haven't seen it. It's it's insane to watch, to be yeah, honest. You're a, bit no. young. you're a bit young, but back in the day when Rice and Irving and, and all, uh, Sterling Sharp, you yeah. couldn't stop Sterling. Now, I don't care what Shannon say. You couldn't stop Sterling. Sterling was just unbelievable. That's, that's one of my dad's favorite players, Sterling Sharp. He loves Sterling Sharp. Yeah. yeah. If he never got hurt, it would have been sick. His, his name would have been up there. Like re- neck, neck, in, neck injury, right, Sterling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was an old school neck injury. It took him out. But there was, yeah. there's been some receivers that when you just watch him play, you were just like, you know, Chris Carter when he was young? Oh, good golly. I know. It was, up, know. It was unbelievable, right? So I mean, there there were you know, there were, and I could go on. Obviously, I've seen a lot of football. Yeah, and I, I wasn't I wasn't saying that he's in the caliber of class. No, like no, no, no. But I was going to get there. But I was going to say there this season, this yeah. season that Cooper Cup is having is yeah. one of the most, you know, it is one of the most incredible seasons we've ever seen. And people yeah. who haven't seen Cooper because they don't watch you know the late games and the West Coast games, they really missed out on an incredible year. Because I've watched a lot of Rams games, obviously being here in Arizona, and mm-hmm. and getting the late games and being able to see you know him play out here a lot. I mean, his route running is just phenomenal. His ability to shed blockers and even you know run after the catch and run after contact is is just yeah. phenomenal. Well, he, you know, I think people, he, I think he leads the NFL and yeah, and yards after catch. Like it's, right, it's That's yeah. what, he just finds the opening and gets through the creases. He has more speed than people respect. And his route running, again, he climbs up really quick onto the toes of the DBs before he makes his break. Like, if you watch, you, you saw a perfect example in this last game, that corner route where his first touchdown, I mean, he got throw, right up dude. within three yards, within, yeah. within a yard of the DB. He jumped on him, and the yeah. DB didn't know which way to go, and then he broke. And then he had no idea which way Cooper wasn't leaning, he wasn't showing it, he wasn't looking with his eyes. He was yeah. disciplined the whole way. His head was straight, mm-hmm. shoulders head, hips were all in alignment. So that corner had no idea. That safety had no idea which way he was going to break. And then he yeah. broke out and boom, gave his quarterback a nice wide open, you know, window to throw through. And that second touchdown, I, that's what I was talking about. Throw. That throw was nuts, man. That Dude, throw was great. Yeah. Let's just talk about this pre-snap mm-hmm. read. The call was to go backside slant to mm-hmm. o- OBJ. Mm-hmm. I could tell because I saw the formation. I saw what the defense was in. Backside for him, it was like, go. Stafford takes the ball and he looks there, but all of a sudden the linebacker buzzed to the backside. So now he's like, shoot, I got to go the other way. Cup just runs an incredible little route, and Stafford just instinctively turned and fired, and Cup was wide ass 
something. Like he just ran. It, it was he wasn't even in the play, but he didn't stop playing. Like the play was backside, and Cup just wound up going frontside. I'm going to make something happen just in case. Ran a great little route, and boom! All of a sudden, second touchdown of the game. Dude, these these teams need to get a little smarter, man. Because that touchdown that I'm talking about, which was on the right side of the end zone, right? Like they had, I think they were in cover too, because that corner sunk on just like a little flat route, and they allowed did. They passed them off. Why are the, they doing that to Cooper Cup? Like, why are you doing that? Like, can we bracket well, the dude at some point? <laughs> like, what are we doing? No. So what the what the safety screwed up on there was that the middle linebacker. It was like a Tampa two. He buzzed out, yeah. so he had a little protection on on an inside route. But because Cup ran right at him and did not lean any which way, he didn't want to give up the inside to a slant yeah. or a quick or you know a, a, a square in or something or a hookup route. So he just sat there, and then by the time he figured out which way Cup was going, the ball was already out of Stafford's hand, and it was a touchdown. It was just an, again that's a testament to good route running, and, yeah. and, and that gave your quarterback just the right enough area window to throw into. So it was, like I said, Cooper Cup's having an amazing year. I remember seeing him on the field three years ago when I was with the uh, Edmonton team. I went to Rams practice and I was walking on the field. And of course you look at schools that people don't really know. And this, I'm like, oh, here's an Eastern Washington kid. Oh, he's short and white. Okay, he might be a CFL. And then I... And then I, I I see my buddy Shane, you know, Shane Waldron was the yeah. offensive pass game coordinator at the time there. Now he's up in Seattle and he's the offensive coordinator. And I um I went over to Shane after the practice. I said, you know, he was on – oh, by the way, Cooper wasn't in practice. He had an injury. He was working on the side. And I just yeah. saw him doing his side work, and I said, dude, what's up with this cup kid? I, I, I didn't know who he was three years ago, right? I had no idea who he was. And he was like, oh, no. He's like, yeah. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, wait. And I was like, okay. So then now Cooper's having this kind of season. And obviously I got to know, I watched him a little bit more last year, right? Yeah. But this kind of season was like oh, amazing. But I'll say this. I'm going to digress really quick on a note. I don't know if you saw this, but on a quick note. Okay. Yep. Did you see the moment Cooper cut had? With Robert Woods? Robert Woods. With Robert Woods after. Because this team would not be anywhere near where they are right now without Robert Woods. I'm Great sorry. With Robert that. Woods, all season before he was injured, was an amazing, amazing player in himself. Great he, leader. He, he great yeah. leader. He was, he, you know, Cooper Cup and him were the most dangerous twosome. Like, when they signed OBJ, I was on this show. I'm like, why would they do that? They got Cooper Cup. They got Robert. Thank God they did. <laughs> well, I was like, it was, we literally were on the Tuesday or whatever before yeah. we found out Robert Woods tore his ACL in practice, right? So yeah. I had no idea that was coming. No one obviously did. It didn't make sense to me to have those three receivers on the same team because why? Woods was that good. Like, Keep feeding that beast. That guy was making seven catches a game and a you know a buck fourteen, like similar to what we saw OBJ take this this week, right? You know, Robert might not always got the touchdown, but Robert was always getting balls and making the catches. OBJ took that role and, and ran with it. Obviously, after Robert got hurt, but Robert Woods, I you know my hats off to you, kid, because honestly, this team would not be in the Super Bowl without you. And I hope you really understand that. I hope the team recognizes it. In that moment with Cooper Cup, he recognized it. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Robert Woods is a great ambassador. He's a great leader for the team. So I was happy. I actually retweeted that video, David, because I, I was a great moment, to say the least. It was it was great. Because, like, obviously it's not the same, right? And I know that's probably why he was upset. He's, he's like, oh, man, we're going to the Super Bowl. That's fantastic. But also, like, I don't feel like I did this, right? And it's it's a really weird moment. But the leadership that he had. And then a shout-out to Odell Beckham, man, because people counted him out. Like, he was – like the cancer in Cleveland, right? And people are like, oh, he's the problem. He's come and he's worked, man. And you haven't heard anything about him, right? Like there's been no conversation about Odell, like it, on a, in a negative sense. It's just that he's playing good ball at this point. Like you don't hear any of the off-field stuff. Everything's good, man. He is assimilated to the culture, which is a great thing to see. So shout out to Robert Woods, but also credit to Odell Beckham for, for stepping up into that role because it was something that I think some people questioned if he could at this point. So – we are going to get in to a little bit of Senior Bowl. Hot. I just want to touch on a couple of Senior Bowl topics. We're going to dive into Senior Bowl reactions maybe a little bit next week as well. And then end with a little bit of coaching carousel if we can. If we can't, we'll get to that because there's going to be more jobs by next week, I'm sure, that we'll be able to talk about. Before we do that, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, or likeness yet? No. What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access to companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living, living off of their name, image, and likeness while going to college. It's If it's simply that you don't have the access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. An athlete's earning potential is limited. Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help all our clients achieve their goals. Just contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. All right, David, so Senior Bowl stuff real quick. Two headlines I want to touch on, okay? Two headlines. We're not going to get into a lot of player talk. Like We're not going to do analysis. Well, they're, the they're still practicing this stuff. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into yeah. more of the evaluation next week, like you said. Absolutely. So we had a good friend of the show on here before, David, Mr. Tony Rassiopi, who was a quarterback coach here in New Jersey. He works with Mr. Kenny Pickett who is a quarterback out of Pittsburgh, who has risen, could potentially be the first quarterback off the board, at least top two or three. Like, he's in that conversation. David, <laughs> man. I know. Just like you didn't think Zach Wilson was going to be the second quarterback last year, take it. It, it could He shouldn't have been. And he I didn't say he should this have. year. I didn't say he should have. I just said it could happen. That's all I'm saying. It could happen, okay? Kenny Pickett. I would not personally take him number one as the first quarterback, that is. But it could happen, is all I'm putting the conversation on the table, okay? Now, that being said, David, last spring for junior day, they came in, measured his hands, and for scouts, measured his hands, blessed though, right? Eight and a quarter inches, which historically I think would be the smallest hands ever. Definitely the smallest that have ever been drafted in the first round. The smallest I could find other than him, David, was Michael Vick that had eight and a half inches verified. What was, of wait, 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 wait. What yep. was uh, Baker? Baker was, I think, nine. I think him and golf were right around nine. Look each. up, look at Baker. I don't, I don't know if Baker made nine. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to look it up as I'm as I'm talking. I'm going to continue yeah. to to hit it. So, if if I am correct, I believe he would have those smallest hands ever drafted in the first round. He would definitely have the smallest hands right now. So it can't be Baker. It can't be. But I'm going to measure it right now. It's pulling up. Come on, guy. Let's go. Um. But anyway, so. 
Obviously, people have been talking about this hand measurement since the summer, and I have it up now. His hand measurement was nine and a quarter inches, so he was over the threshold of nine. So nine and a quarter. Anyway, so we're continuing here. So it's been a big talking. That was a generous nine. I've nine shaken Baker's hand. Nine and a quarter, I, sir. I have a nine even hand, and I've always had. I've shaken Baker's hand. Let's just <sighs> say, okay, that's a generous measurement. All right. Anyway, generous measurement or not. He was verified over nine inches. His agent slipped the right envelope. <laughs> so everybody has been talking about Kenny Pickett now. You know, put poking jokes at him. You know, the, you know the Whopper commercial with the small hands. Like that's been thrown around a little bit. About yeah, they're comparing him to Trump's hands. Yeah, keep going. Sure. Um, so <laughs> we get to the Senior Bowl, of course. Here comes the measurements. Mm-hmm. Only quarterback to not get his hands measured, David. He measured in, I think, six foot three and two eighths, 217 pounds, looked good, no hand measurement. Only one that did not get their hands measured of the quarterbacks. Of course, we were going to say, huh, what are you hiding, sir? We already know what you're hiding. You have small hands. Like, can we yeah. just get this <laughs> over with? <laughs> but anyway, so they're at, he's asked why. And I think Tom Pelissero, good show, good friend of the show, also put it out there and said, he has a good reason for it. He has a double-jointed thumb, which I'd heard a couple months ago, but I thought it was kind of dumb at that point. So I was like, I'm not even going to listen to this. So he has a double-jointed thumb, uh, David. Apparently he can't put it in the right direction to get measured. It goes the opposite way or some dumb stuff, okay? So that's the reason that he has this reputation of small hands, and he's going to get it met. He's going to get uh, some exercises, right? Get some therapy on it so that they can measure it correctly for the combine. So I'm going to ask you first, David, have you ever heard of anything like this before? Double-jointed thumb. I've never heard of it personally. I would love to hear just from your experience if you heard anything to this degree. Anytime I've had a a finger or thumb deformity, I took the other hand. Okay? Right. So that being said, if you – and I know it's his throwing hand, so we're not – you know, people are like, oh, it won't be the same. Okay. But let's just take this for an example. If you do a left hand measurement and it's nine and a quarter, and then you have a right thumb to fit deformity, so mm-hmm. therefore you did not measure the right hand, <clears throat> you would assume they're mm-hmm. pretty close. Right. You're not you're not gonna have a nine and a quarter left hand and an eight and whatever right hand. If the thumb deformity comes in, that's the difference why you don't have a nine hand. For your right throwing hand, okay? Mm-hmm. That being said, it's absolutely crucial to get a measurement on your quarterback's hand. Because right. I'm, a, I'm a big believer that a size 10 hand means everything in the world to a quarterback. A you 10? know, it's a 10, 10? yes. Well, you want to go all the way up to – so anything below a 10, you're a no-go on? I'm not a no-go, but I am I'm a question mark on them, okay? Huh. <clears throat> and this is why. And I learned this from Larry Ennis, old-time scout and coach for the New York Giants. And, you know, God rest his soul. He taught me this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks in wet balls and in windy situations, particularly windy situations and stormy weather, when they don't have a big hand, the velocity on the ball and the rotational uh, threading needle ability isn't there. So the wind will then push the ball several different ways. It's like a pitcher. When he's on the mound, if, if his hand's a bigger hand and he can take that ball and get it into that glove and those fingers come off it in a certain way, they can control the ball and its movement a lot better than a small-handed pitcher. 
That's why guys like Randy Johnson and stuff, when the ball comes out of their hands, it it's harder for the again, it stays in the hand longer. It's harder for the batter to pick up. But it it's yeah. Yeah, it hides in there. When you're in football, it's about that rotation, especially in wind and bad weather games. Now, if the road to the Super Bowl this year was led through Lambeau, right? Yep. And you had a quarterback with an eight hand going up to Lambeau where the ball is frozen and it's cold and, and slippery because it could be snowing and rainy, and you got a small hand, it's uh-huh. not going to work. That's why a guy like Russell Wilson, who has a very big hand even though he's a short guy, mm-hmm. it works for him because he can whip it through the wind, rain and wind and stuff in Seattle at that stadium because of that big hand. Okay? Right. Now, I'm I, again. I'm not against a nine and a half hand guy, but I think nine and a half would be the lowest I would go. And I really do prefer a hand that's a ten or a ten and, and an eighth, you know, type hand because they can just grip the ball in those situations and they'll have better control in bad weather games. And ultimately, football does fall and you know does sit in the fall, so you're going to have a bad weather game. Back to him, I would have taken a left hand measurement. And I would have said, listen, I get you don't want me to measure it right what, hand. What if, what if it's both? What if there's two deformities? You take the least, the lesser of the deformity, but you have to get a measurement. Like right. for me, you know, I know why the kids in the, in the, in the spring didn't do it because they were told just do the right hand. He's a quarterback, right? And they, and they did it that way. But mm-hmm. the reality is I would have seen the deformity as, an, as a veteran and taken a left-hand measurement, even though he was a quarterback, and I would have gave the teams both measurements. So they would have got a, a, like, like a nine and a quarter. I'm guessing here. I'm, I don't know what his measurement is. But they would have got the nine and a quarter left hand and then the eight and three-quarter right hand just so the teams would have accurate measurements on, and know that, hey, it's going to fall somewhere in between there. Right. Now, and it, ma- it makes sense. And I, and I, mean, I, th- I think most people understand why. Because people joke about it like it's not a big deal. It matters, right? Like it, and I know Kenny Pickett played in Pittsburgh, and it's you know bad weather all the time, and it's cold at points. Blah blah. blah. They don't play but, into December and January in Pittsburgh. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> and the football is going to get bigger, right? It's not, I mean, just that's a, well. No, the college football is rounder. The the NFL football is heavier though. Heavier. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like there's going to be more pressure on that hands, right? Is is kind of where I'm going. And then the other big we'll thing let is you it. Well, <laughs> we're talking to Flategate right now. Are we doing that? <laughs> anyway. So, obviously, controlling of the football may be different. And then also, and this is a stat that has been verified, he had 38 fumbles in his career. That's a part of it, right? Ball security in the pocket. We saw, and this is a great example, David. I don't know if you saw it. Late in that game, I think the Rams were just about to score, or they were about to get their, their, their go-ahead field goal. Uh, Matt Stafford got hit, dude, and that ball did not budge an inch, dude, in his hand. I, for a second, I was like, oh, my God, that's a strip sack because it was coming on his blind side. I'm like, oh, no, strip sack. And he held it there, and it did not budge, dude. He didn't even tuck it. It just did not move. That's why that's important. Like, it matters, man. That does, that may have decided a football game, that one play, to be honest. It absolutely matters. And, again, when you have guys coming off the edge that are, you know, Miles Garrett and all those guys that – Three shows. You know, yeah. Three just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Bosa brothers. You know, they slap at that ball. If you – A, if you don't have both hands on it and you got a small hand, it's coming out. There's just no way – you can't stop the force. And, yep. B – it's impossible to have two hands on the ball at all times in the in the pocket. For so, 
you know, again, you're more likely to have more fumbles. So it does matter and everything. I think what's the key point to me is that they should have taken a left hand just to again. And if, if the, and here's the other thing, if the left hand doesn't have a deformity and it's like an eight and seven eights, well, that didn't really help you. <laughs> so, right. you know, well, that, you know, that's, the, that's the thing. I, I feel like so. But again, every everywhere he goes, people are going to ask him to measure the hand. Right. They made the hand the conversation at the senior bowl. I think it was a bad job by him and the agent because the reality is just get it out of the way. It is what it is. Go light up the practices. Go light up your pre, pre-draft workout. Do that because ultimately it's going to matter. You know, it absolutely is going to matter. Yep, and I, I think some teams are maybe going to overlook it more than others, right? Because I know that is a strict threshold for a lot of teams. But whether it is eight and a quarter or it's eight and three quarters, it's small, man. Like even if you increase by a full half of an inch, it is still below the threshold. Like it's just get it out of the way. If teams think it matters, hey, I'll tell you this: Scott matters. Turner doesn't care about a hand measurement. Him and I went round and bouts about it. <laughs> now, I'm sure, and I'm sure some teams don't care. The, the point of it, though, is that some will. And why do they care? And I know people think it's a funny thing, right? Blah blah blah. The, the practical things that David talked about in game, right? But on the other side, is people that are investing in these players, putting millions of dollars into them. Whether if whether Kenny if Kenny Pickett is successful, he is going to be an outlier. Right, he is going to be an outlier. He is under a threshold. Historically speaking, eight and a quarter does not play at the NFL level, and is certainly not successful at the NFL level. So, what if he is successful? You bet on an outlier, which is fine. Sometimes you do bet on outliers because Aaron Donald was an outlier with his size, right? Like sometimes that works out very well. But betting on outliers a ton is how you lose money, right? Is how you that position. Right. And at that, that position, position important, it, yes, it's hard. Position. Yeah, yep. Especially if we're talking about a guy that might be drafted in the first round, like that's even, a lot of even money invested. Kyler Murray, who's way is sh- way short. short, does not Russell have Wilson. that small. Does, yeah. They don't have that small of a hand. They have much. I, right, now it would be interesting to know what Kyler's is, but he's still he's still above what we're talking. Yeah, I th- yeah. I'll look it up as we're. Well, what was the in. second thing you wanted to bring up from, from the senior bowl? You said you wanted to yeah, talk about and it. And it will be the last thing because we are running out of time. So the last thing I want to talk about, David, is there is a cornerback out of the University of Auburn. Okay, His name is Roger McCreary. All-American, all-SEC this past season. Had a phenomenal year, to say the least. All right? I'm not a huge fan of Roger McCreary, all right? And this is one reason I'm not a huge fan of Roger McCreary, especially for people that are mocking him. And Kyler Murray had nine-and-a-half-inch hands, just to put that out there. I just looked it up. Um, so Roger McCreary, David, outside cornerback, projected by some to be a first-round pick, all right? Measured in today, 5'11", whatever, 190 pounds, whatever. Fine. It, was, it wasn't great, but it was fine. 29 and 2 inch arms. He's off the board. Sub thirty, brother. He's off my board. He's off my board. So this is my opinion, and people are going to think that this is incredibly lazy because he's a good player and blah blah blah. He played the SEC. Cool. He's a nickel, right? Like he can't play outside. He can't play outside. Am I wrong? Why not just start there with me? I know, I know. He's off your board. I'm saying he is automatically a nickel at the next level. He can't play outside with with sub thirty. He can't. No. And 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 anybody who's like arguing that, um. You, you really have to understand, you're talking about outside receivers that are Mike Evans. 
that are big six are yeah that are that are guys that are you know van uh jeff jefferson you know down to the they're hopkins they're aj green they're julio jones they're aj brown like you're not going to get a 29 inch arm to stab and and press one of those guys and make a difference and even if you want to sit and off coverage with the guy and let him react there's going to be times he has to roll up and play man and with a 29 inch arm you can't trust him to put a glove on a guy now if his quickness is good enough he could play in the slot but right. Right. but again you have to be a really tough sucker to play in the slot cuz you have run responsibilities and you got to come up and and yeah. make hits now a guy again i i don't know him but yeah. a guy with a 29 inch arm i would not trust to be in there for me because again also you're going to catch a lot of slants and outside moves and what you have to do is you're going to have to come over top to slap the ball away or disrupt, you're going to be catch point, to disrupt yeah. catchable yeah. balls and your arm just isn't long enough to do that. It's just not fair to ask you to do it because your arm's not long enough. So you're going to wind up catching pass interference calls because right. you're just not going to be able to be disruptive enough with the size of NFL receivers. Even if most NFL receivers are over six foot one, they're, they're somewhere between six foot one and six foot three. And most of them have a 31 to 33 inch arm and they'll have 10 inch to, you know, nine, nine and three fourths to 10 inch hands or over. Okay. So we're talking about a 29 inch arm. And I would imagine his hand came in somewhere around nine um, at that level. Thank you. I think I'm going to look it up, but I think it was like eight and three quarters or something. Like yeah, that. there you go. I was trying to give him a little credit with a nine hand to have at least a hand bigger than mine. But, mm-hmm. um, but again, you know, it's just a situation where it doesn't measure out to be an NFL receiver or a DB. And that's not knocking the kid. I'm sure he had a great college career. I'm sure he has skill level or he wouldn't be at the senior bowl, you know, nagging them, do a good job. But at the same time, you're talking about difference, like to be invited to get a scholarship and then to be invited to the senior bowl versus playing in the NFL and get paid to play. Mm-hmm. Those measurements don't equal pay to play. So, you know, that's just is what it is. Um, you know, and I hope that the young man, you know, proves me wrong. I, when I when I'm in this mode, I, I always hope people prove me wrong. But my 18, 19 years of experience, I can tell you, I, I in my training, in my upcoming, he's only been wrong one time in his career, one single time he's been wrong. That's ever disagreeing with me. So <laughs> <laughs> I will say yeah. this: that, McCle- that's just really that's a really short arm because I, I mean. I'm a short guy. I'm only five foot four, as you know. But I mean, my arm is about twenty eight and a quarter, twenty almost twenty nine. Uh, you know, it's like twenty eight and a half, maybe. But I have a nine hand. So you know, you're talking about a guy who's got maybe an inch on me in length, but my hand's bigger than his. So if right. we're fighting for a ball, you know, you know that hand strength, I'm, I'm probably gonna win. And and I and again I am not discounting Roger McCreary. I'm just at first round pick. Nope, not not a chance in my opinion. I think he could play nickel in the NFL because I do think he's scrappy, David. I do think that he shows up in run support. I think he could play inside there, um, but I I am all the way out. And I, I I sound like a hater. I know, and I I know people are out there like, oh, how tall was he? He was five eleven with twenty. 
29 inch arms. Five, I think he was 5'11 even, or he was 5'11 and some change. Yeah, wow. somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, right? It's weird. Measuring. That's yeah. weird. Because usually yeah. at 5'11, you're, you're good into the 31 range. Yeah, I was like, thinking somewhere like, between 30, 30 and 7 eighths to, you know, 31 and an eighth, somewhere in there. I mean, you're, you're typically in the 31 range. Right. Yeah, that's why it was a little weird because he, he he's I think his arm length and wingspan was almost identical to Darnay Holmes that was on the Giants. I think he's still on the Giants when he came out of UCLA and he's only like five nine, right? So like that makes a little more sense, right? So yeah, little weird one. Just wanted to bring that up again because we're trying to bring you to the other side, not just, you know, oh, thresholds are stupid. Like, why do they matter? Right? Like we want to kind of get get into that. Next week we'll talk some Super Bowl previews. We'll talk some senior bowl. Um David, I'm going to let you, of course, end us as I do every single week because you are the wealth of knowledge that keeps this thing going. Um, uh, a lot of exciting things that are continuing to work with our partnership and Mav Sports Take, but taking over to David Turner for a final thought of the night. Well, the final thought of the night is how exciting is football right now? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there's a lot of a lot of news coming out. So many different ways from college football. We had we could have talked about the coach at Auburn uh, after six weeks of being there. He's leaving uh, to take care of personal reasons, and you know to the Brian Flores thing, which we did cover tonight. Um, there's so many angles of the business of sports and what's really happening behind the scenes and pulling back the curtain. And we hope to bring a little of that to you guys each, you, you guys and gals each and every week. You know, we really thank you for being here and everything. I want to say that you know. One thing that I saw on the news this week was that Coach Madden's getting his memorial service like the day at the Oakland Coliseum the day after the Super Bowl, right? So mm -hmm. this way everybody can go up there and be part of it. And I thought that was really cool. I thought that was amazing that they held off to allow the entire NFL community to be able to fly up there from L.A. and be there for Coach's memorial service because – He's a trend sender, and he's a guy that I know I met personally um, when I was a really young scout um, and personnel guy in Miami. My first year in the league back in 2002, he made an impression. But I had a connection with Mr. Madden, I mean, ever since the Bay Area days at Delta High School because, you know, he, he lived in that area, and, you know, it was just a special thing to be around Coach Madden. So I was really choked up by that. The, the sentiment of that being the day after the Super Bowl to go recognize and and uh, pay tribute to Coach. But last really quick note is mm -hmm. the GOAT retired and Adam Schefter, fuck you. So, you know what? The GOAT deserved to have his day. The GOAT deserved to have his day. 22-year career and the man gets one shot to retire. He had plenty. He had ten Super Bowl appearances, seven Super Bowl wins. He had more games played than I can remember anybody ever playing football games. Okay, mm -hmm. and this man had one chance to announce things his way mm -hmm. and say, "I'm going to retire," and do it on his own terms. You only get one shot at that. You don't get a redo. And Schefter, you fucked it up. You, you went and you had to jump the gun to be the first to report that he was retiring and you broke it and you and you left that looming over these great games, this great weekend, when you could have just stayed silent and let him announce his retirement his way. Like, that's like telling Frank Sinatra to, you know, go fuck yourself, Frank. I'm going to announce your new album. 
Like, you know what? That's bullshit. And Schefter's been pulling this crap for years. And over the last couple of years, he's been pulling it more. And to do that to Tom Brady, man, I really hope, I do hope that there's backlash player-wise with information going to Schefter mm-hmm. because that was bullshit. The guy gets one chance. Now, you can love him or hate him, whatever you want, but you can't doubt. You cannot doubt. I'm a Montana fan. I think Montana is the greatest of all time. But the GOAT, Tom Brady had one chance to announce his retirement, and Schefter ran to the mic to announce it before he could. Mm-hmm. And that's bullshit. Excuse my French, but I'm very upset about it. I'm very passionate about it because a man only has one chance to retire, and he deserved the right to retire his way. For sure, for sure. Uh, and I, I think just the uh, flip side of it for a second, happy retirement, Tom. Like you said, greatest of all time. Remember him for all the great things that he did. Um, obviously, him so. and Ben, I watched them for so many years. Have been part. They've been part of my life for so many years. It's gonna be. It's gonna be strange not seeing them out there next year, for sure. So everybody out there that is still with us, or if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. If you're on YouTube, hit the little notification bell. Do all that good stuff. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go on there and give us a five star review. It really does help us a ton as we continue to grow the brand, continue to grow the podcast. We thank you all. A week off of NFL action, but we'll be back next week to preview the big show, Super Bowl, between the L.A. Rams and Cincinnati Bengals. Thank you all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit